podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Boom, the boys are back, and it is time for our June Q&A episode. <laughs> Not June, it's July. My goodness, my goodness. Uh, if you're listening to this, Big 12 Media on release day, Big 12 Media Days, uh, it starts today. It's uh, Wednesday. I think there's going to be coverage on ESPNU. There's going to be coverage on ESPN Plus. I think there's a couple other spots that you'll be able to watch it. Uh, K-State will be on the podium on Thursday. But I believe there is a change this year. I think the contingent from all 14 schools will be uh, on location all... uh, Or both days. Not all days. Both days. So I think you will start seeing some coverage coming out from Big 12 Media Days. Before we get started, shout out to Charlie Hustle, Vintage Made Fresh, not only the greatest, most comfortable, and stylish officially licensed K-State gear in the world, they also got the Arrowhead Collection, they have the Crown Town Collection, they have the Sporting Club Collection, they have some other schools, I don't care about those other schools, but you might, you might be a good friend, a good spouse, a good significant other, good family member who wants to buy a gift for uh, someone else that's a college sports fan, they have just about any team in the region, check out Bosco's Boys Twitter account, we have our first giveaway for a free t-shirt going on right now check out the twitter account it will be going all week long and we'll have giveaways every single month every single month all the way through basketball season so check out charliehustle.com today all right we're getting into the questions have a ton of great questions um as always, I got the K-State Mizzou football game on in the background. It is muted. Um, man, thinking back to that game, still a pretty good atmosphere given the situation. But man, could you imagine? It's really a shame that that game had to deal with uh, weather delays and all that type of stuff. That could have been, uh, you know, at least of recent memory, an, an all-time type atmosphere, um, especially early, uh, before we really started kicking Mizzou's ass. But uh, have that on the background, and let's just let's just get into it. Uh, the first one from Derek Litke. Uh, who makes a Threads account first, Kleiman or Gene? I understand. I, I, I'm not shocked that uh, good old Mark Zuckerberg is trying to come up with his own Twitter clone. I my guess is neither one of them. Um, I don't think this will. I don't. I don't think it's going to have uh, staying power. I think Twitter is still going to be the king uh, social media account um, for its purpose. You know, every social media account has a different purpose. I don't think Threads is going to overtake that. So I personally would be shocked if Kleiman or 
Gene Taylor ever get a Threads account. Um, and if one is going to, it's going to be Gene. Chris Kleiman not active on Twitter at all. You know, if you want a good idea of the highest priority football recruits, uh, go check who he's following. He only follows a handful of them. He almost never tweets. I mean, it is very rare to ever see him tweeting anything. Um, so I, I really don't think he's going to go to a copycat Twitter, or basically a copycat app and be active at all. Let's go next to College Football 199. Am I the only one who doesn't like the Jumbotron setup at Bill Snyder Family Stadium? I think it fits our stadium, but I'd rather have one giant screen on the north end if they could find uh, somehow to fit that with veneer the way it was built. Thanks for the hard work you put into the pod. First, thank you for listening. Thank you for being a bonehead. Um, I would gamble you're not the only one, uh, but I disagree wholeheartedly. Um, I used to be a, a, a much bigger proponent of being like, all right, no, I want two big jumbotrons instead of four in the corner. Um, now that that's the direction K-State's gone, I never want them to go back. I think it fits perfectly. I think it works better for everyone except for probably the folks in the south and the north end zones. Uh, so if you're in the south or if you're in the north, I could understand wanting just one massive one uh, staring you right back in the face. Uh, but where I'm at on the sideline, I, I love it. I, I don't want to want to go back i'm sure like i said i'm sure you're not the only one but you're you're not going to find an ally in me for this one uh the next one another one from college fball 199 tcu joined the big 12 12 years ago and has been consistently competitive and in the top half of the four members new members which program has the potential to make the most noise and maybe win the big 12 in the next 10 years um so I, I think it's UCF. I think UCF is going to be the most competitive early, and I think long-term they are going to be uh, the most likely. I've kind of gone back and forth on this, and, and I think depending on when this was asked, I might have had different answers. You know, when, when it originally happened, I think I probably would have been more bullish on Cincinnati. I think there's probably been times where I've been more bullish on uh, Houston, I think BYU is the best brand. I think it's the biggest fan base. Um, but I, but as I said in the last episode, I, I think with BYU, with their ties to the LDS uh, church, I, I think that they are really limited on what it, what and who they're going to recruit. I, I think uh, BYU will probably have a shot you know, like if they really get a good group of guys together, like once every few years, maybe they make noise when it comes to competing for the Big 12. But I think Central Florida has a chance to be, you know, right up there with K-State, uh, Texas Tech, TCU, Baylor, um, to be up in that uh, range. Because I, I think Oklahoma State, again, as I said in the last episode, I don't think this is... Uh, uh, an anomaly. I think every year in the preseason poll, we're going to see four or five teams getting votes to win the thing. Um, I think the Big 12 is going to be super balanced. 
My guess, if Cincinnati can make a better hire um, their next time, because I'm not a believer in Scott Satterfield. I think that there's a very real chance Neil Brown is fired before the end of the season. And then I think of all the coaches currently in the Big 12, I think Scott Satterfield will be the next one fired. Uh, You know, in theory, you could see guys take other jobs. But I think Scott Satterfield, even in his first year on the job, Oh, actually, Dana Holgerson. Dana Holgerson could get fired relatively soon from Houston. Uh, so they're in a similar type thing. I think Houston will have to make a another hire. I'm not a I'm not a believer in Dana, um, but they'll they'll be able to. I, I think Houston, uh, if they make the right hire, they can be. But I think Central Florida will consistently uh, be in that contention for the Big Twelve. Uh, Daddy Trobe, I have no idea how to pronounce that. Um, will KU fans stop trying to justify why crying wolf to the state of Kansas is better than raising money and doing things on your own, i.e. K-State like an adult? Um, look, I, I'm excited for the KU, uh, football project. You know, I go to a game in Memorial Stadium every other year. I I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be a great project. I, I think that if if they can get everything that they want done, I think they're I think it's basically gonna feel like a brand new stadium. Um and and I'm excited and I'm happy for KU fans. And again, I I don't want to I, I, I think I, I, I take my shots at KU um when I think they're deserved. I think it's a great project. Um, I'm not going to dog the project. Now, the way they're funding it, uh, I I mean, look, it, it's it's hilarious. Um, KU fans love to talk about how uh, rich their donor class is, how big their donor class is, and all that type of stuff. Um, they, <laughs> that, that is one of their calling cards. And I think it's hilarious that they can't get stuff funded. It's not a, hey, we are choosing to go the way of backstopping all of our fundraising with our university endowment um, and going to the state and all that type of stuff. Um, they're not capable of doing it with private donations. Um, they're not capable of sat uh, of taking out revenue debt on the stadium. I- I'm sure they will take revenue debt on the stadium. I- I'm I'm guessing there will be some revenue bonds, but between the endowment, between the grants, between the star bonds, um, look, if you can get it done, all the power to you, congrats. And, and Travis Goff probably deserves a statue um, because I think it's slimy. I, I, I don't think that athletic departments in the state need to be taking that type of money. Now, I say all that, uh, but when the time comes for the Kansas City Chiefs to... Uh, move. I'm going to be a massive hypocrite and say, "All right, bring the Chiefs on over," and I'll find different ways to justify it by saying, "Hey, KU football can't up and move uh, across to Kansas City, Missouri, if they were willing to pay for a stadium and uh, you know I, all this type of stuff." I, I I will I will justify it however I need to um, because at the end of the day, I'm just a fan. I, I do think it's despicable with the amount of revenue that's being brought in. Um, in modern college athletics, that you are leaning on the state and the county 
uh, for as much of those renovations as they're going to. But at the end of the day, congrats. Uh, if they can get it all done, um, you know, if I was a KU fan, I'd be saying get it all done no matter what. So um, I'm glad K-State doesn't have to do it, and we'll just move on. Uh, Oach 4 uh, I think it's an Oklahoma State fan. Uh, so shout out to you, my friend. Uh, what's going to be considered a successful season for the Wildcats in football? Big 12 championship, playoff, how many wins? Uh, for me, th- there's a couple different things that could happen. And because it is not a balanced scheduling, because it's not round-robin scheduling, it kind of opens up different revenues or avenues for this. Um, I think anything less than 9-3 and three would be a failure. So if K-State goes... Eight and four in the regular season, I think that is a failure. Um, I, I think nine and three is the baseline for saying, all right, you know, th- this was a fine season with the expectations that's being put on K State. But if you want to say this is a successful season for K State with where the hype is, where the um, fan base is, I, I think you either you need uh, you know one of these things to happen. You need to get to Arlington. Um, or you need to win 10 games. And that can be 10 games after a bowl game. Um, and heck, there could be a scenario in which you go 9-3, and three, you make it to Arlington, you lose in Arlington, then you lose the bowl game, and you're sitting 9-5 and five at the end of the season. I would still call that successful because you made it to Arlington. Um, so it, it, it kind of really is two-pronged. It's either winning 10 games or making it to Arlington. Um, that's what I would deem a successful season. I would say, like I said, I'll, I'll just kind of repeat myself, 9-3, and three, not a failure. That's just kind of the baseline for, okay, meeting expectations. Uh, you're kind of doing the bare minimum. 8-4 and four or worse, I think, is a failure of a season. And, and again, those are very high expectations. Those are very high um you know, bars to clear. You know, I, I understand that. That is putting a lot on this football program. But I truly believe, uh, you know, the, the team is good enough. And I know the coaching staff is good enough to have that sort of expectations on the game. Sorry, not not game, but season. Um, if anyone disagrees with me, let me know. Uh, you know, at Bosco's Voice, at Scott Wildcat. Let me know if you guys disagree. I, again, I, I think it's pretty lofty, but it, but it's on par with what my expectation was last year, and and I understand a lot of folks are like, you're losing, you know, a first rounder, you're losing an early second rounder, you're losing a two time consensus All American, you're losing, you know, a guy in Echo Boydo who started, you know, what close to forty games it seems like at cornerback. I I, I get it. I get it, but I, I'm just so excited. I, I, I think that this offense could really take a step forward even with the uh, you know departure of uh, Deuce. I, I'm just, folks, I, I'm pumped. I, I'm pumped for this season. I think it's going to be a season, quite frankly, of big things. I think we're going to have another big-time season, and I can't wait. Uh, another thing I can't wait for, there are a ton of beers that are on the uh, on the horizon with uh, w- with Manhattan Brewing Company. Sorry, I had to pull up the list because guys, there are so many there are so many beers that are coming here soon. So just recently, 
released in the tap room. They have their Space Whale Triple IPA. It's an 11.4 IPA, so all the hopheads you need to get in there. Uh, the J. Rieger & Co. Whiskey Barreled Aged Thick Boy. Guys, this is a del- I, ha- I had the non-aged version. Absolutely delicious. And you know I'm a Jay Rieger fan, so that is going to... I mean, I'm going to have to make a, stru- a special trip to Manhattan this weekend to pick up a couple bottles of those. And then the Lazy Pirate Mango New England IPA. Guys, that is about as good as it gets. That's the perfect little fruity, little creamy IPA. Perfect little New England IPA. Be on the lookout coming in August. Liquor stores all across the state. Pumpkin Batch. You know it. You love it. The best pumpkin beer. And then there's also some great collaborations coming soon. Galasso, the cream ale with lime. That was brewed just today with the K-State soccer coaches. Championship run a blueberry Hefeweizen with the president of of Kansas State University, Richard Linton. ATA Girl, at a Girl, Peach New England IPA in collaboration with the ATA buses to help promote those buses going around town. The Condor the Magnificent, a double hazy IPA with Connor Riley. Swag Team 6, a double New England IPA with the equipment staff at K-State. Folks, all sorts of amazing collaborations coming all throughout the summer and early fall. Get into Manhattan Brewing Company today. Today. Or tomorrow, this weekend. But I promise you, whenever you get in there, your new favorite beer is waiting for you at Manhattan Brewing Company. All right, Fernando from at Kansas Snot Cam, or or Snotcom, Kansas Snotcom. I think it's a uh, Wichita Eagle parody site. How would you rank the likelihood of each football road win this year? All right, that's a good one. Let me pull up the schedule. I I think number one, I think the number one most likely road win is going to be the final road game in Lawrence, Kansas, uh, over the Kansas Jayhawks. Look, I I mean, I've said it. I, I think they could be a better team, but they might not be a bowl-eligible team. And quite frankly, they weren't close to K-State last year. I know there was a lot of uh, Warriors early in the fall, uh, but they weren't. They, they were still... A full step, a full step and a half behind K-State. I don't think, I, I still don't think it is very close. Uh, so I, I think the number one most likely one is K-State at KU. Uh, quite frankly, again, it, it's going to be at worst, at worst, 65-35 KU fans. Um, I mean, I, I'm guessing it's probably, probably going to be close to 50-50 again. I, I, I don't think that there's been... A game, I mean, since Mangino left. I mean, it, it, it's usually 50-50 or there's more K-State fans in there. It's probably not going to be the case this year. Uh, look, it's probably going to be another 48,000 in there. I would imagine 20,000 K-State fans are there. It's not going to be hostile. Plenty of K-State fans. I'm still not thinking KU is on that same level. I think that is the most likely road win. The next one uh, is going to be Missouri. I think Missouri... Again, I think there's going to be plenty of K-State fans there. I'm not a believer in Missouri. I think Eli Drinkwitz could get fired this year. I think there might be a question about that later. Next one is Oklahoma State. Again, that's kind of the that's kind of the bugaboo for us. Uh, that's been a rough one. We haven't won there since Skylar Thompson 
and Byron Pringle really beat the brakes off uh, the Cowboys. It's on a Friday night. Um, again, I, I'm not. I, I don't think Oklahoma State's going to be great. They do have an easy schedule. This will be their first real test. Um, you know, we we will have Missouri. We'll have UCF. I think there's a bye week in between there. It'll be tough, uh, but I think we get it done. Then it's at Texas Tech again. Uh, talk about a winning streak, Loki. We have a massive winning streak over Texas Tech. I think we've won the last four in Lubbock. Um, but if, if they're up and rolling, I, I think there's a chance this game could be a real marquee-type game, especially if we are able to beat Oklahoma State. I think there's a chance both these teams will be 5-0, and 6-0 coming into that game. I, I think that could be a rowdy crowd, and I'm a believer in Texas Tech. And then the least likely is that game at Texas. I mean, they've really had our number. It's the only team Kleiman hasn't beat yet. Um they're the most talented team in the Big 12. Um, there's a chance they'll be playing for the playoff. Um, there's a chance that that'll be another massive game with Big 12 championship game implications. Uh, that's going to be a tough one. That is going to be a tough one. So those are from my most likely to least likely. Most likely KU, Missouri, Oklahoma State, unlikely or li- least likely Texas Tech, and then Texas. Big Papa Stumma. What are the new Big 12 tiebreakers in football uh, to decide who gets to go to the title game? For example, uh, Texas, K-State, and Oklahoma are all 11-1. I believe it is head-to-head and then it's common opponents. I don't know what it would be after that. So if Texas loses to Houston and K-State and uh, and beats K-State and Oklahoma, then Texas would be in having the tiebreaker over K-State and Oklahoma. Um, and then from that, I have no clue. Because in, in that scenario, um, there would be no differences in common opponents. I have no earthly idea. I have no idea. Um, no clue. I hope someone asks that. I, I hope someone asks that at media days. Uh you know, I, I hope that is I hope that is asked. I hope I hope to find out, but I have no clue. Uh, DD underscore KSU. When will uh, when will Tang uh, come on the show? <sighs> Look, I I don't I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I I've tried to go through the I've tried to go through the proper channel. So how I've operated the show. Um, if folks recall, I think one of our first. 10 first 15 episodes maybe um was gene taylor and i I reached out directly to gene and he said yeah definitely just go through kenny lanue to do it um so from that moment very early in the show anytime we get someone who is employed by k-state um i i go if they're a coach or you know if i were to want a player or an administrator, I go through the sports information director and I, I try to go through the proper channels instead of, uh, you know, try to schedule it directly with them. So I, I've gone uh, to Tom Gilbert of K-State. Um, he's helped me get Marco on. He helped me get Coach Sutton on. He's helped me get, uh, you know, Curtis Kelly on, Shane Southwell. So I, I have a good working relationship um, with Tom. Uh, we haven't been able to get Coach Tang on. Coach Tang's a very busy guy. Um, I think there's some uh, 
you know, non-K-State related, you know, you, Coach Tang has, has been on a, a ton of radio shows, a ton of podcasts. I think some of them go directly to him, and uh, they figure it out. I, I try to go through the proper channels. Um, haven't made it happen. Still trying to make it happen. Uh, but I, I think I might have to go back on my statement of I won't end the show until I get Jerome Tang on. Um, my guess is he, I, I, I would, I, I don't know. I think the betting odds would say Jerome Tang never ends up making it on the show. But I've tried. I've tried. I'll keep trying. I don't know if it's ever going to happen, though, sadly. We'll go to Ethan Brown, the ambassador. He asked, how did you adopt Chauncey? Who can uh, use the word dudes to talk about the basketball team? What is the certified song of the summer? How I adopted Chauncey, uh, he's sitting on the couch next to me right now. I was just looking uh, at, I think it was like petfinder.com that just is a database of all the adoption shelters in the area. I typed in my zip code, um, saw his picture. Um, I contacted the shelter. They got me in touch with his uh, foster family. I went out and visited. Uh, it was love at first sight. Loved Chauncey. Um, so I passed the vibe check, as you kids would like to say. They came and looked at my house, at my backyard, filled out an application, and then about a month later, I was able to bring him home. So that's how I got Chauncey. Who can use the word dudes uh, to talk about the basketball team? Anyone. Uh, anyone. I'll be honest. I don't necessarily love it. I, I feel like now the word dudes is overused, but I find myself uh, using it unironically. Uh, so it's just kind of become part of the vernacular. Uh and it is what it is. <laughs> I don't think. It, I think as long as Jerome Tang's around, I don't think it's going anywhere. So I think anyone can use it. Uh, certified song of the summer. I don't listen to music. I I I listen to just a gross amount of music, like in a minimal way. I almost never listen to music. The songs I listen to more than anything are the same songs I've been listening to basically since 2010. Very few new songs make it in. To my rotation. So I'm like the last person you should ask about that. Powercat Ryan. You get to ask Brett Yormark one question at Big 12 Media Days. What is your question and how would you want him to answer it? Quite frankly, I would ask him uh, if he thinks that uh, he's failed at expanding the Big 12. Uh, I think I think Brett Yormark has been too vocal. I think he's been too out there about wanting to expand thinking that it was going to destable the Pac-12 and he was going to be able to grab Colorado and Arizona. Like, he's the first commissioner who's been, like, in everyone's face making sure everyone knows, hey, I'm trying to do this. Hey, I want to do this. I think it has been too much. I think he's been a little obnoxious about it at times. And if he fails to get Colorado, if he fails to get Arizona, I want to know if he thinks it was a failure. Um, we. We've seen a million and a half reports about what the Pac-12 TV deal is going to be, the Pac-10 TV deal is going to be. Um, there's been so much uncertainty. There's been so much, uh, you know, vagueness. I, there's no leadership coming out of the Pac-12. Um, so when you have that lack of leadership, that lack of vision, that lack of clarity, combined with the rumors of the far uh, smaller media distribution I think it's an absolute failure if we're not able to get Colorado or Arizona. Um, and he desperately wants those teams. Uh, so I, I'd ask him point blank, hey, would you consider it a failure? I'd want him to say yes. I'd want him to acknowledge um, 
all the eggs and all the effort he's kind of put into trying to destable the Pac-12. And, and all the Big 12 people, we've beat our chest and we've celebrated it. I'm not saying we're wrong to do that, but if we do all that, and then the Pac-12 still ends up um, with a TV deal that's comparable to ours and we're not able to lure teams away, eh, that's kind of a bad look. And I'll say this. Uh, I, I don't think this is going to be happening. I would be shocked if this is going to happen. But some of the Pac-12 uh, propaganda folks are saying, hey, we're still going to end up with a bigger, better TV deal than the Big 12. And if that's the case, if that's the case and we uh, jumped the gun, we got in front of them for ultimately nothing, if they still, if they somehow end up with a better media deal, uh, then I think that's on him as well. Um, so again, I think Brett Yormark has done a lot of good stuff. Um, but come September, if the Big 12 ends up with a comparable or better media deal than the Pac-12 when we can't poach any of their schools, or if, God forbid, the Pac-12 has a better TV deal, I, I think Brett Yormark, uh, all this kind of early uh, you know, A grades we are giving him, honestly, <laughs> kind of turns into a C- minus at best. So we'll see. I, I think the next month or so is going to say a lot about uh, Brett Yormark uh, and the work he's actually been able to do for the Big 12. All right, let's go to Ace Edwards. He's one of the co-hosts of Aggieville Alley Cats, uh, my favorite K-State sports podcast. If you're not listening to them, make sure you check them out. Which K-State player has the best aesthetic for their sport? Um, Had. So this is past tense. I think it's Cartier Jada. Um, He had the shooter sleeve uh, with the elbow pad. He had the tights on. He had the uh, headband I don't think there's probably been a cooler looking player than Cartier Jada. Um, Xavier Sneed, when when it was headband Xavier, um, that was a close second. Um, Malik Knowles had a good aesthetic because, you know, he he had the compression. He had the uh, accessories. He had the long purple uh, tights that he used instead of socks. Um, That was pretty good. But I think Cartier Jada, I, I think he had the best aesthetic and it just worked. I, I mean, he was the coolest looking swagged out dude that's maybe ever played for K-State. Uh, it just worked. Um, honorable mention of Ben Sennett. Like him having that big old elbow uh, elbow brace, that really works for him. Uh, the next one. If you could kill one K-State narrative, which would it be? <sighs> I mean, look, I, I hate the bullshit back and forth little brother, big brother thing with KU. That's annoying. But I, I, is that a narrative or is that just fan banter? Is that just, is that just banter between rivals? Um, you know, the, the idea, the first one that came to mind was, oh, it's tough to recruit to K-State. Um, and look, I, I, I think I, I think maybe I'd kill that off. But again, it, it is tougher than other places. You know, you don't have a uber talent rich pool to pull from every single year um i think it is tougher to recruit to manhattan than other places um maybe what i would kill is this idea that manhattan is in the middle of nowhere maybe that's the one i would do because again yes it it is it's a full hour from topeka and it's two hours from kansas city and it's two hours from wichita and all that type of stuff but you have a regional airport once they get the renovations done that has daily flights in and out of Chicago. It's a great college town. Um, I love it. And I think we see once we get recruits on campus, 
Um, they love it too. So that's probably where I'd go. Even if there, I think there, I think there's true. I, I think it's kind of like with a lot of stereotypes. Sometimes the narratives and sometimes the stereotypes stem from things being somewhat true. Um, so that's what it is. Who is the most overrated and underrated coach in K-State history? Overrated coach? Um, I, I Well, I, I think overrated, it's Dana Altman at, at K-State. I think, I think there's a... I think there's a revisionist history of K-State fans who kind of look back and say, oh, of what because what Dana became. Because Dana Altman became a very good uh, college basketball coach. He, he's been successful, um, you know, beyond what he was what, what he did at K-State. And I think there's this narrative of, oh man, if only we would have stuck with Dana, we wouldn't have kind of gone through the dark ages of basketball. But if you look at Dana Altman's uh, resume compared to Tom Asbury, who came right after him, um, they were basically the same guy. Like they, they had very similar times at K State. Jim Waldridge and never made it to the postseason. He was a nice guy and all that type of stuff. But I think I think Dana Altman uh, is the most overrated or under yeah overrated because of. <laughs> I think folks are trying to give him credit for what he did after he left K-State. Most underrated, uh, Micah Hearn, man. He, he won the conference for K-State in basketball, baseball, and football. Um, you're not going to find me crying for uh, a Hearn Fieldhouse. Um, they've let that building go into destitute. They need to... They, honestly, they need to tear it down. I know no one wants to hear it, but the amount of money it would take to renovate it, to make it a usable bit building for, uh, for, for the university is disgusting. Um, they need to demolish it and they need to build a brand new building. Um, I'm sorry. I think Dick Linton, I think president Linton said like, that's not going to happen on his watch, which is fine, whatever. Uh, but the amount of money to really make that building usable. Um, I mean, I even had classes in there. It was disgusting. I went to a ton of volleyball games in there. It was disgusting. Uh, the university let that building, because it's owned by the university, let that building get in horrible shape, and they need to demolish it. But if you look at what Micah Hearn did, uh, you know, in the infancy of the athletic department, uh, winning conference titles in basketball, football, and baseball, the guy deserves a statue. He needs a statue uh, somewhere over... Uh, near all the you know stadiums because they're all centrally lo- not centrally located but they're all located together now. There needs to be something for Micah Hearn, uh, but he's the most underrated. No one talks about it. like when they hear Hearn, they think oh the basketball arena uh, that is destitute. Um, they don't realize that the dude uh, was winning conference titles for three different sports. Um, so I think Micah Hearn is the most underrated coach in K State history. Um, modern era Bruce Weber. Two Big 12 titles, Elite Eight. Yes, the bad was bad, but he he's done things that he, – he did things as a basketball coach that uh, it's been since Jack Hartman. Um, so he's the most underrated of the modern era. Uh, and then would you rather be hit by Tyson Neighbors fastball or a Kalen uh, Culpepper liner? Uh, fastball, 100%. Culpepper, especially using those metal bats, he's having exit velos over 100 miles an hour. 
Tyson Neighbors, uh, the mid nineties. I'm gonna hopefully wear that, you know, in the fatty part of my uh, arm or uh, you know my flat ass. Uh, it's, it's funny. The only thing not fat on me is my ass. It's flat like a pancake. But if I if I could get it there or on you know the fatty part of my arm, stay away from you know direct contact with a bone or joint. Um, I'm definitely taking that fastball 100, 100 out of 100 times. Uh, Kale 05, where do we put Gene Taylor's inevitable statue? Look, I love Gene Taylor. Love Gene Taylor. He might actually listen to this. Uh, for him for him to get a statue, first off, he's going to have to he's going to have to, you know, be at the helm for another 10 years. I, I think we need a lot of longevity and we need to see Jerome Tang win us a national title. Probably need to see a couple more Big 12 titles from uh, Chris Kleiman. We're going to need to see uh, maybe a, a run in the NCAA tournament by uh, Pete Hughes or whoever is the next coach who he hires for baseball. Uh, Mansfield going to have to you know maybe win a Big 12 in volleyball. I, I think we're going to have to see uh, we're going to have to see a national title and a lot of Big 12 championships from coaches he hired. He's going to have to be around for another 10 years now. If that happens, if that happens, and, and I've, I've said this, and there, there are some people who are much more vocal about this on Twitter, and, and I think they're correct. Um, I think that K-State needs to have more statues. I think they need to do a better job telling the story, especially of the uh, trailblazers, the guys that you know broke the color barrier in the big six, big seven, and almost every single sport. I think there probably needs to be statues for all those players. Um, like I said, I think there needs to be a Micah Hearn statue. Um, so what I would do, I think there should be a Bosco the Dog statue as well. I think at every entrance of Bill Snyder Family Stadium, there should be a statue. Uh, we have the big Bill Snyder one, but you know, I, I think you know if Gene Taylor is to do that, maybe have it in the you know the southwest corner. And then you have the other trailblazers at the other corners of uh, Bill Snyder Family Stadium. I think you have the basketball trailblazers. You, you know, you have the Ernie Barrett statue. I think you have the other trailblazers for basketball, both men's and women's, all over on the east side of Bramlage, uh, over like where the students enter. Um, you have Earl Woods over by the baseball stadium. I, I think. I think. I think that is something that would be appropriate, um, and, and I'd like to see done. So if if K State, uh, you know, sports see this miraculous run over the next 10, 15 years, and Gene Taylor stays that entire time, then you know, there's my answer for more statues. Plus, there needs to be a Bosco the dog statue somewhere. Bosco needs to be memorialized somewhere. Z Z Zoomwall. Shout out, Zach Zumwalt. Over under how many times Drake name drops Toronto Toronto uh, Raptors legend Marquise Noel on his next album? I don't think it'll be his next album. Um, you know, his second summer league game did not go as well as his first, but he went viral a couple times on Twitter. Uh, and, and look, Marquise Noel is getting a ton of buzz. He's on that two-way contract. I think he's going to play in a handful of games for the Raptors this year. Uh, we'll see what happens. I, <laughs> You know, you, you say that and you're reading it you're like, I don't know. It's not out of the realm of possibilities that, you know, three years from now, Marquise Noel might get name dropped in a Drake album. It won't be his next one, but maybe three years from now. 
College Fball 199 again. What are your thoughts of naming rights of Bramlage? I'm for anything that generates more revenue like beer sales and Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Naming rights for Bramlage, look, um, I think Fred Bramlage and his family were the second biggest donors for Bramlage Coliseum behind the students. Um, that was, what, 30 years ago? Almost 30 years ago? 25 years ago? No, no, no. Not 25 years ago. Over 30 years ago. I think 88, 89 was the first season. So we're coming up on 35 years. I think 35 years is more than than long enough uh, to have naming rights because you donated money. I have no problem K-State selling naming rights at Bramlage Coliseum. Um, quite frankly, I, 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 think, I think they need to rename the field at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Uh, the Wagner family, I believe... Uh, gave money for field turf a long time ago. They've replaced the turf a ton of times. And unless they're unless they're writing a check, unless the Wagner family is still writing checks every time they replace the turf, they have no business still being, uh, you know, Wagner Field at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Uh, so I'd be for uh, selling the naming rights to the field or actually honoring uh, folks uh, who who played, you know. You know, Harold Robinson, Verl Schweitzer. I, I'd be fine naming the field after some of those trailblazers as well. If not that, then sell the naming rights. I'm all for it. Again, I'm still probably always going to call it Bramlage Coliseum. You know, I'm not going to call it the Case IH uh, Coliseum. I'll probably always call it Bramlage. Um, and, and it might be the, you know... I don't I I don't know I don't have an issue with it I I, I don't think anyone should have an issue with it uh, I would like to stay away from naming the court I, I think eventually it should be Tex Winter Court or the Cradle of Coaches Court um, and, and try to you know honor all the great coaches that K State has had um, but I don't honestly I don't have an issue I I haven't actually seen a lot of pushback on that has there been a lot of pushback I don't know. I haven't seen a lot of pushback, and I'm fine with there not being a lot of pushback. Uh, Alyssa, we'll go to Alyssa next. What are your honest, unfiltered thoughts on uh, Bob Huggins believing he didn't resign? Look, Bob Huggins, he needs to get help. He has a drinking problem. I want him to get help. All of that being said, all of that being said, horrible. Don't drink and drive. Don't use slurs on live radio either. Bob Huggins does not deserve to keep his job. Um, Almost nobody in America could have had the summer he had and keep their job. Almost nobody in America. All of that said, the saga has been absolutely hilarious. Him saying he didn't resign, trying to say it was his wife who sent uh, a text message via his phone and the email. He doesn't even use email. All the lawyer stuff going back and forth. I think it is absolutely hilarious. I I would... find a lot of comedic entertainment if Bob Huggins found a way to coach West Virginia basketball this winter. I don't think it's going to happen. I think basically this is all happening so they can get a higher payout. He's doing it to get more money. Um, but I, I'm getting a lot of comedic entertainment out of it. He does not deserve the job. But if he somehow found a way to get it, I would laugh. Alright, let's keep it going. Casey Doyle at the underscore underscore the Doyle. Not necessarily a question. Just want to let Chauncey Bosco know he's a good boy. I hope he's doing good. Chauncey's doing great. He's now looking out 
looking out the back door, uh, wanting to kill some squirrels. Speaking of doing well, um, Powercat Ryan with some more questions. He's great at this. Um, the way seemingly every Big 12 uh, Twitter fan base has found a beef with K-State Twitter, does that make us the conference's flagship school? I don't know if that makes us the flagship school, but I'm going to say this. I think K-State fans have always been per capita the best internet fan base in college sports. It goes back to the greatest message board to ever exist, goemail.com. Uh, in its prime, no message board ever touched goemail.com. Uh, and it came over to Twitter. We have a lot of great posters. I think we are very online. And here's the thing. We just went to the Elite Eight. We just won the Big 12 in football. So everyone is pissed off because we are we, we just had a great year. Uh, again, Iowa State fans. Everyone used to beef with Iowa State fans, but they suck. So no one's beefing with them anymore. If K-State has a shitty sports year, uh, there's not going to be a bunch of Twitter beef uh, this time next year. Uh, so it's it's a combination of us being a great group of internet posters and uh, being great at sports. So there it is. Paracat Ryan, the state of Kansas is uh, handing K-State the same amount of money KU is, uh, is hoping to receive. What does AD Scott Wildcat use for that money? One, if it has to be used for a mixed-use facility. Two, if there's no strings attached. I mean, look, K-State Athletics has done such a great job uh, with their facilities. If you're doing like a mixed-use facility, if you're trying to do something like that, I would say uh, try to get some sort of, you know, in the athletic village, you know, that area over there, some sort of like 5,000-seat uh, amphitheater situation going on that can be used for concerts but on uh game days uh it can transform into a sports bar type place i don't know how realistic that is or the logistics or the architecture that have to go in um but but that's kind of what i think there needs to be like i think having something along the lines of you know it's not a full-blown you know power and light type thing but having a place where a, uh, where you can go in, hey, you can buy some drinks, hey, you can buy some food without going into the stadium. Uh, kind of, you know, similar to what uh, the Shamrock Zone is for folks who have seats there. Um, I would like to see that for the general uh, population fan. I don't know if it is down by the old indoor, what's being converted into the new indoor facility. Um, but something like that, maybe. Again, there's just not a lot of room, um, you know, especially if it has to be mixed use, uh, which is some of the loopholes that KU is using for their facility. Um, if you're saying, hey, no strings attached, here's just uh, tens of millions of dollars, I would put it into uh, Bramlage renovations. I actually really like Bramlage, um, but it sounds like things are on a pause there. You know, there, there was the mid-concourse, uh, project that was part of the facility master plan um, that would add some more club seats that would add a mid-level entry um, I, I think something like that uh, with like a k-state hall of fame um, and some more offices so move athletics as a whole out of uh, veneer put them in uh, new offices over in bramlage uh and just allow more office space for the football team over there. I think that's probably what I'd do. But again, 
guys, every every single sport sporting uh, team has seen major, major, over twenty million dollars worth of renovations to either you know their training facility or their competition stadium over the last fifteen years. Actually, I, I don't think golf got twenty million dollars, but Casey Athletics I pumped I think like maybe ten million dollars into Colbert for a clubhouse and some stuff for the golf team. I mean, folks, the the amount of money that's been raised and used uh, to you know better the student athlete uh, experience at K State over the last fifteen years has been amazing. So that's probably what I do. Again, not a ton of it, but King Joel underscore three. Shout out to you, recently engaged man. Uh, you briefly spoke on this, but rank the new Big 12 rivalries. <sighs> Here, here's the thing, and I almost did an entire episode on this. The, the, the downside to the Big 12 is, what, outside of K-State, maybe TCU and Baylor, but almost no school has their main rival in the Big 12, you know. Iowa State says it's Iowa. Some of them do say it's K-State, but, you know, traditionally it's Iowa. For KU, traditionally it's Mizzou. Oklahoma State, it's Oklahoma. Texas Tech, it's Texas. Houston, I I mean, I have no fucking clue who Houston's traditional rival is. I mean, I, I don't know. I have no idea, but it's no one in the Big 12. You know, uh, Baylor and TCU, they might be each other, but West Virginia, it's Pitt. They have a weird thing where they don't want to be rivals with anyone. They're they're weird. I don't know. I don't know who Cincinnati's biggest rival is, um, but it's not anyone in the conference. I think it's maybe Miami of Ohio. Maybe. I don't know. BYU's is Utah. Maybe they join the conference. I don't think they're going to. Um, It it is weird. It, It is weird how there isn't a lot of rivalries at least main rivalries in the big 12 now rivalries can you know pop up i mean if you if, if i ask the folks who i sit next to you know in section in my football section all the old people none of them would consider iowa state a rival but for me i think they're without a doubt the number two rivalry uh, to k-state and i think most people who are uh, quote unquote, very online um, would consider that. I, I, I would think, kind of, because of that and the evolution of that, I would I would bet that a lot of college kids uh, see them behind KU as our main rival. Um, you're gonna have BYU and TCU kind of renewing a Mountain West rivalry. Um, Houston and Texas Tech, I think, is going to become a pretty good rivalry because you know those are two schools with big enrollments in the state of Texas in a conference that has historically had so much Texas presence. So I think that's going to come. Whether West Virginia wants it or not, I think a lot of folks will consider them in Cincinnati to be a rivalry. There's, you know, Central Florida and Cincinnati and Houston for that matter. Those three have some history, uh, recent history playing in the American. I think the Big 12 has an issue of hey there isn't there there are very few of these historic rivalries. K State's lucky because the two teams we've played more than anyone uh, is is KU and Iowa State. We have a hatred there. Um, could something seems to kind of like be bubbling up seemingly every week with TCU fans uh, and how often we played them. Uh, could Oklahoma State become a thing? Are they going to be looking for a new 
big rivalry now that Oklahoma's not around? Maybe. Uh, some of this will kind of depend on how they do scheduling moving forward. I, I, I really think that K-State, uh, Iowa State in football, and I think K-State, KU in basketball, I think those are the two best rivalries. But here's the thing. If Iowa State's going to be shit forever in uh, in football again, which I think they very well might, I, I think I think some of the shine will wear off of that. But I, I, I do think that you know those are the two best Two of at least the three best established rivalries in the Big 12. And we're just going to have to see kind of what pops up over the next 10 years. Um, but but I do think that is one of the one of the things the Big 12 is lacking. So hopefully some stuff steps up here soon. Um, all right. Uh, we still have a handful of questions. I'll try to get through these relatively quickly as we're coming up on an hour. Um, but the, I mean, some of these are good questions. This might just be a little longer. This might be closer to 120 or uh, you know, hour 20 minutes. Oh, uh, we got some from the KSU Railroader. Shout out to my man. Uh, what is the maximum number of conference members in NCA Czar Scott Wildcats allows per conference? Um, I've been thinking about this. I, I think what I would do, what I would do is nine. That is the minimum and the maximum. You have nine members. You play four home, four away uh, conference football games, and then you have one team that you play from a quote-unquote power conference every single year in the non-con for football, one team from a non-power conference that you play every year in football, so you have that rivalry. Those two games don't switch, and then you have two other games, so it can be um, another power game and then an FCS game. Um, so you're still playing 12, uh, 12 conference or 12 total football games. You're playing, uh, you know, of those 12, you're playing 10 of them almost every year. Uh, and, and maybe it doesn't have to be that. Maybe it can go down to nine of those you play every year. Um, but I want to establish, I want to make conferences regional again, and I want to make uh, rivalries real again. So I'd say nine in quite in at least one non-conference rival so you're playing uh like i said uh 12 games every year nine are against the same uh you know foes so you can develop history you can develop hatred and all that type of stuff and then and then i'll say you get three games that you get to switch around and then you have double round robin in basketball um similar type stuff um but that's what what i would do i would say nine games so that way you're playing Four home, four away, every single football season. Uh, you know, eight home, eight away in basketball. Then you're scheduling a lot more non-con games. Um, get variety in your schedule, um, which kind of actually no, I take it back. Do whatever you want with your non-con. If your school wants more variety, that's fine. But you have more of those non-cons. So again, KU and Missouri can play. Every single year. K-State could play Nebraska every year. Or Colorado every year. Or Oklahoma every year. You know. You'd have those opportunities. Uh, but it would be nine. And I, what I would do is. I would, I would take the. Uh, I would take the original Big 8. And then I would add. Uh, which kind of flies in my face. In, in the face of what I just said about. You know some of those non-cons. But I'd, I'd take the original Big 8. And I, I would you know grab. I don't know who I'd grab. Maybe it should be eight. Maybe it should. Maybe it should be eight. I don't know. Eight or nine, though. Small conferences, more non-conference games. Play everyone a lot. That's what it'd be. Eight or nine. 
No more, no less. Eight or nine. So I guess nine is the max. Eight is the minimum. KSU Railroader, I've been off Twitter for a bit. Did anyone ever find Cyclone Larry? Nope. Um, I've never followed him. I, he, he used to pop up on the uh, on the timeline quite a bit. I haven't heard anything about him. Got nothing for you. Uh, with all facility upgrades k has made recently, which ven- venue is your favorite? Rank your top three. I mean, Bill Snyder Family Stadium it, is my favorite. Um, everything they've done, I, I think it's a great stadium. Um, that is my favorite of all of K-State's. Um, number two, I haven't been in there, but I, I think it would be the new volleyball arena. Everything that, I mean, that's going to be world-class. That's going to be world-class. Then number three, again, I mean, Bramlage, again, I the baseball renovations are fine. I, I don't go to a lot of baseball renovations or games, but they did a good job there. Building the soccer stadium from scratch, that's awesome. Um, you know, they, they, they haven't finished indoor track. The outdoor track is fine. Um I haven't, I've never been the rowing facility, uh, but but I love Bramlage. I, I think I think it looks good with the extra uh, premium seats. I like the Shamrock Lounge, uh, so those would be my three. But I, I really think that they've done a great job. But I, I think volleyball, honestly, I think volleyball might be like compared to all the peer, all the other power uh, conference uh, facilities. I think volleyball might have the best in the nation. Callie Mike, if Threads puts a live chat format, will you utilize it? No, I'm never going to Threads. If Twitter if Twitter becomes obsolete, then I'm just done. I'm not never going to Threads. Um, I'll, I'll float this out there. Um, if page if if we relaunch the Patreon again, it's it's been forever. We had it back in 2019 briefly or 2020 briefly. Maybe only a couple months. If if we brought back, if we were if we were able to do a live show via Patreon, would you guys be interested? Let me know. Let me know. If enough of you would be willing to do that, um, then then that might be something we do. No promises. I, I always kind of felt weird about having the Patreon, um, but if enough of you want the live show back, we would make that a Patreon exclusive. Let me know your thoughts. Uh, real underscore Ethan Brown. It's better for the transfer portal view if uh, if Eli Drinkwitz gets fired midseason or before bowl season. They've changed the transfer portal. They're making it smaller the amount of time folks can jump in. I don't think it matters, but I am predicting Eli Drinkwitz does get fired. KSU alum 19. Without Deuce, how many more pass plays do we expect to be called? Or will Ward and Giddens combo be enough to keep with what we're used to. I think it's going to be balanced. I think I think some games it might be 55-45 pass. I think there might be some games where it's 55-45 run. I truly believe that. I think Colin Klein wants to be balanced and I I think that I I think I think the running backs are going to be fine. I think the I think the running backs are going to be good. Um I have I have no issues. If you told me that we're going to be 50-50 the entire year, I would have no issues with that. Chef Andre Napier says, I love you, Bosco. We all love Bosco, the original mascot. The original mascot. Shout out to Bosco the dog. Shout out to Chauncey Bosco. He's a good boy. What will the fan ratio Hollywood Elite to K-State fans be for the men's basketball game against USC in Vegas? I don't know, honestly. I'm 99%, 95%, 90%. Like I'm most likely going to be there myself. I don't know how many K-State fans are going to go. I know a lot of fans are going to that final game in Austin for football. 
which is the Saturday before. Um, I've heard of a handful of K-State fans going. Um, There's quite a few K-State fans who sound like they're going to the uh, Bahamas uh, later on in November. So I don't know. I I don't know what to expect. It should be fun. Um, I'm looking forward to going. Um, I I think it's going to be a fun experience, but I, I couldn't tell you. Hopefully a lot of Cats fans. Um, all right, and then we're going to wrap up with uh, SL Keck. Before we do, remember to sh- uh, check out Manhattan Brewing Company. Four packs all across the state. Get some towny wheat. Right when I wrap this show up, I'm going to crack open an ice-cold towny wheat. I try not to drink those on the pod anymore because one person got really mad that I did. Um, it is what it is. And then also check out charliehustle.com. If you haven't already, check out uh, our Twitter account. Go find the contest. We're running a contest for a free Charlie Hustle shirt. We'll be doing something every month. We'll have a giveaway every single month through March. All right, SL Keck, final questions. Rank the Big 12 newcomers on how uh, much you would like to attend a game there. Number one, Provo, Utah. Number two, if we're talking about football, uh, Orlando, UCF. Number three, Cincinnati. Number four, Houston. I have no desire to go to Houston. All three other places I will 100% go to. I'm sure at some point I'll see us play in Houston. Um, but I have no desire to go to Houston. I've never once desired to go to Houston. Houston does not seem fun. Um, sorry for all the shade for Houston. How many yards of 10-plus run does Will Howard have this season? Four. I don't know. Four. That's what I'm going with. Uh, if you're forced to get a K-State tattoo, what would you get? A player, a coach, specific moment, scoreboard, cocaine willy, etc. I would get if we ever if we ever win a national title in basketball, maybe I'll get the championship banner tattoo. Um, but maybe like a minimalistic type of uh, you know Anderson Hall, maybe you know just kind of the outline, maybe that. Uh, maybe script cats, maybe the script wildcats that basketball uses. Um, no ink. Um, so let's just go for a national championship banner. Let's do that. Let, let's go with that one. Uh, but that's all we have. A lot of great questions. I know this went longer uh, than most of our uh, off-season episodes go. But hey, I had a lot of fun. Um, check out uh, the Twitter account. Make sure you get entered for that giveaway with Charlie Hustle. Again, we'll be doing one every single month so if you don't win this month just keep an eye on twitter for august it'll be here before you know it um and of course as always every great summer night begins with an ice cold beer from manhattan brewing company if you're not in the happiest place in the world manhattan and can't get it straight from the tap make sure you go to your local liquor store and pick up a four pack today if they don't have it be polite but firmly ask them to start carrying manhattan brewing company So for Chauncey Bosco, the best dog in the world, we love you guys, and go Cats.
a fight. UK State Wildcats form alma mater fights. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be a fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. UK State Wildcats for alma mater fight, 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 fight. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Go State! Podcast Network.